0: This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Silvaji. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. As the grim milestone of 1 million US COVID-19 deaths approaches, new data reveals that nearly as many people have died from the effects of the pandemic as have from the disease itself. This remarkable observation that the unseen deaths were equal to the numbers seen was not made by public health leaders at the CDC, but rather by actuarials of the life insurance industry, those experts tasked with measuring mortality rates to price policy risks. Their analysis found a nearly 40% spike in year-over-year deaths from 2019 to 2020, but determined only half of those excess deaths were from COVID. These data suggest that the societal, public health reaction to the virus including mitigation and messaging strategies, caused as many deaths as COVID-19. Now as vaccines and acquired immunity have substantially reduced those seen COVID deaths, is it time to change our focus toward the unseen excess pandemic deaths to begin to stem a tide that may last far longer and claim more lives than the COVID-19 virus itself? My guest today is Pioneer Institute's Senior Healthcare Fellow, Dr. Bill Smith. Bill has researched and written extensively on the unintended and largely unnoticed consequences of pandemic mitigation measures. He has discovered substantial evidence that changes in individual behavior, such as foregoing medical screening, checkups, and chronic illness treatment, have inevitably led to an increase in excess deaths. Bill will share his views on the failure of public health leadership to use their high profile platform to anticipate and address elevated risk from other human diseases, and offer his thoughts on immediate steps healthcare leaders must take to stand the rise in non-COVID pandemic-related deaths. When I return, I'll be joined by Pioneer Institute's Dr. Bill Smith. Okay, we're back. I'm Joe Salvaggi, this is Hubwonk, and I'm now joined by Pioneer Institute's Senior Fellow, Bill Smith. Welcome back to Hubwonk, Bill. Thank you, Joe. Glad to be here. Well, Phil, it's good to have you because we're going to cover a topic that we've covered quite a bit in the past. Of course, it's going to have to do with COVID, uh, but something that you and I have alluded to uh, several times is that uh, our focus on COVID uh, talks about uh, health vis-a-vis COVID, and there's a lot of other ways that um, people lose their lives or die. Um, And just this past week in the Wall Street Journal, I, I saw two articles that really spoke to you're in my conversation about these excess deaths that are unrelated to COVID. In fact, uh, it was a piece entitled "Rise in Non-COVID 19 Deaths Hits Life Insurers." They're the people who pay out. They, they pay a lot of people to actuarials, a lot of money to actuarials to decide how many people are likely to die in any given year. It's fairly consistent, and suddenly we see a spike. Uh, one of the uh, statistics cited was a spike of 40% uh, excess deaths. Uh, in the U.S. Uh, in, during COVID uh, relative to years without COVID. So let's start our conversation there. Um, we've got 40% increase. Some of that has to do with COVID and some of it has to do with non-COVID. So let's start with, you, you recently had a, a presentation on this issue. So I'm going to let you carry the ball and talk about um, COVID deaths relative to all the other ways people die in a given year.
1: Yeah, Joe. So I, you know, during twenty twenty one, I started. I, I constantly reading healthcare and life sciences blogs, and I kept noticing articles that, indicating that the the number of people that were getting screened for traditional diseases, cardiovascular uh, disease, uh, cancer, diabetes, go down the list, even mental health. The number of screenings that were happening were just. Dropping through the floor, people were not going to the doctor. Primary care visits were down twenty percent, and so people weren't getting blood pressure screenings, weren't getting A one C screenings for for blood sugar, weren't getting uh, cholesterol screenings. And so I wrote this paper last fall. Where I let me just read one line. I'm not going to bore your listeners, but I basically said the difficult question that should be asked is: Did public officials create such a climate of fear around COVID? that they neglected to encourage people to visit their physicians and receive regular screenings for chronic conditions. And, and I think <laughs> the question I raised is now uh, coming home to roost. Uh, the life insurers in this in this Wall Street Journal article are starting to report their earnings. And they're not only paying out uh, life insurance payments because of COVID deaths, they're paying a lot out because of non-COVID deaths and the actuaries. Attributed this to the fact that people aren't getting screenings or didn't get screenings in 2020, and so their conditions got worse and their conditions were not monitored. Um, you know, there are many many conditions that have caught early, even cancer. If it's caught early, uh, it, it's it can be solved, and, and there might not necessarily be mortality. And I think what we're seeing is that that a lot of things were not being caught early.
0: So let's put this in perspective. I want to put some fine point on because you do a nice job of quantifying. Um, uh, let's say how how people died in twenty twenty uh, COVID. We hear a lot about the three hundred seventy five thousand people who died in twenty twenty of COVID. That's a terrible number. That's every one of the, every one of those lives is a tragedy. But in the same year, six hundred ninety one thousand deaths from cardiovascular d- disease, six hundred thousand deaths from uh, cancer, one hundred sixty thousand stroke, and one hundred thousand diabetes deaths. If those conditions are not properly diagnosed and treated, if all those numbers go up. Uh, suddenly it starts to eclipse even the large COVID deaths. Essentially, that's what we're talking about right now. Yes, that's
1: what we're talking about. And, you know, it's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking. Public health officials had a very difficult challenge with COVID. It was a virus they hadn't seen before. They didn't know how how dangerous and lethal it was. So I don't want to criticize them too much. But you should do Monday morning quarterbacking because you want to see how how you perform poorly in the last game. And I think public health officials perform somewhat poorly in not reminding people to go get screened for traditional chronic conditions. Um, well, you know, Anthony Fauci was on TV probably a thousand times during 2020. And I don't recall him ever saying he, he talked a lot about vaccines and I'm, I'm big on vaccines, but he, he, I don't recall him ever saying you know what, people shouldn't ignore the traditional diseases that can kill them. Go to the doctor and get screened. Wear a mask, social distance while you're in the doctor's office, but go to the doctor. And 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 I didn't hear a lot of public health officials saying that. And again, it's Monday morning quarterbacking, but they they should have been saying that because I think that the drop in screenings is having a, a devastating effect.
0: Well, you even put a, a, a number on uh, the drop in, in screenings. You... You cite in 2020 alone, primary care visits down 21% uh, in the second quarter, blood pressure screening down 50%, cholesterol screening down 37%, telehealth surge 35%, and this uh, podcast has been a big advocate of telehealth. But, of course, telehealth uh, can only do so much. Uh, at this point, we can't. It, it can't lay hands on a patient, uh, and it can't reach through the screen and, and screen you for so many of the other things that, that can kill you. Um, uh, you also measure the... Um, uh, uh, the drug decline, in other words, those, those drugs that people take to mitigate these these um, uh, diseases, such as, uh, well, I'll let you go through, we're talking about hypertension, we're talking about um, uh, all, all, all sorts of cholesterol um, medicine. So let's go through those one at a time. Um, let's talk about hypertensive. Uh, what, what kind of declines do we see with people addressing their high blood pressure?
1: Yeah, again, hypertensives are cheap generic medicines largely. So they're not they're not expensive for patients to go get. And they, they can be effective. There are some very good generic uh, antihypertensive medicines. And uh, the sales worldwide of hypertensive medicines dropped almost 10% um, in 2020. And, and that that shouldn't be happening. I mean, I, I think with lockdowns, I think obesity and, and health problems that would cause hypertension probably accelerated. And yet you had declines in the sale of medicine. We saw a similar decline in atorvastatin. I think the, the uh, JAMA did a study of the top 10 drugs in, in the United States and how their sales declined in, uh, during COVID. And atorvastatin, which the brand name is Lipitor, but it's now a generic, um, is one of the most commonly prescribed drugs in the United States. And again, prescriptions for atorvastatin were down uh, about uh, 10% which translates into 10 million prescriptions or more. So there were 10 million prescriptions for cholesterol-lowering drugs that didn't happen. Um, and so you, you got to think that this is going to have some implications for cardiovascular disease. And, and I think the article in the journal the other day indicated that it has, that, that, that cardiovascular disease accelerated in 2020 because people weren't diagnosed, weren't getting medicines, and weren't being treated.
0: So, uh, so, in other words, we, we thought, okay, um, in 2020, we're focused on COVID as, as we should be, but we're neglecting all these other reasons uh, that people need to care for. So, again, I cited some statistics that you're, I guess, fair to say twice as likely to die of a heart attack in a given year than in the worst year of, of COVID. Well, one needs to take precautions uh, if, if vaccines are around, uh, but one should pay at least as much attention to the other ways. Uh, we're talking about uh, things for heart attacks. Uh, things for cholesterol, as you mentioned. Um, I think the data is clear that we all got a little bit fatter uh, during this uh, lockdown, so uh, yes. our, our hearts had a little more stress. Perhaps we were out there exercising a little less. I know uh, running, I'm a distance runner, running with a mask uh, it made me less likely to put <laughs> on the uh, shoes. Yeah. Um, so we exercised less, ate more, uh, and at all all the while didn't take our um blood pressure medicine, our uh, cholesterol medicine, and, and all of these, uh, these kinds of things. Um, what, what else can you say? What are some of the other, and uh, you mostly seem focused on heart and heart-related, how does one, uh, in a sense, hedge their bets against uh, uh, the, the dreaded killer of cancer? How, what, could, what more could we be doing or could have been doing during the, the lockdown to address cancer? Yeah,
1: Joe, honestly, uh, I when I started the paper, I initially had the ambition of looking at all the major screenings and declines in all the major screenings. And the data was so overwhelming because cancer, diabetes, you name it, every, every therapeutic area where there are diagnostic screenings had declined, and and I just thought the subject matter was too voluminous to put in one paper. So I limited it to cardiovascular disease, largely because CV disease is is the number one killer. So I I wanted to look at how diagnostic tests, but I seen anecdotal articles and studies about declines in mammograms, in A1C tests for, for diabetes, for mental health screenings, for in every therapeutic area, there were great declines. Um, and, you know, you know what the traditional screenings are when you go get a physical for cancer. You get, you get a prostate screening if you're a man, you get a mammogram if you're a woman. And, and those, my, my strong sense, and I only, I, I, again, I didn't chronicle this in a study, but my strong sense is those screenings decline dramatically.
0: Yes, indeed. And again, you and I talked about an article. This is we haven't had much time to digest this article. It came across uh, our wire. The, the U.S. News and World Report talked about uh, what, what seems, in hindsight, a somewhat obvious uh, threat to uh, health is the spike in maternal death rates uh, in in twenty twenty, and uh, it's very it's dramatic. Um, uh, forty uh, an increase of maternal deaths so of forty four percent in one year over the year compared um, uh, earlier. Let me see if I have that right. Yes, 44%. And again, I'll add some literal, some colors to this. Uh, That spike uh, was not amongst uh, non-Hispanic white women. They saw almost no spike. This was almost entirely amongst mothers, expecting mothers uh, of Hispanic or or black. Um, So this is a spike in the least um, or I would say the most vulnerable populations, uh, they perhaps were the ones most likely to avoid uh, routine care or, or uh, checkups that is so needed when one is expecting a child. Uh, can you say anything about that and how it, it dovetails well with your, with your overall thesis?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's another story that, uh, similar to so many stories that just seem to be coming out about 2020, that the normal course of healthcare events... So if you're an expectant mother, my wife was constantly going to the doctor for prenatal visits and getting prenatal vitamins and doing all of those things that that mother expectant mothers do. And it looks like there was a serious decline in the number of prenatal visits, which led to uh, particularly health disparities for Hispanic and and black uh, mothers, expectant mothers. Uh, This is just at this point, it's just another area of the healthcare system where we saw such major declines in the preventative medicine that should have been happening that, again, I have to hold public health officials to task on this because they weren't reminding people to go to the doctor. They were constantly talking about vaccines and social distancing and masks. You couldn't get away from that on the news when a public health official would appear. But I don't ever recall them saying, you know what, go back to the doctor for your regular visits, because there's a lot of things that should be happening to prevent worse outcomes in traditional disease areas. And and I just don't remember public health officials talking about that. And I think we're starting to see the evidence roll in that particularly in 2020, the, the decline in the number of diagnostic screenings that was happened has increased mortality in a variety of areas.
0: Yes, I think uh, particularly at this moment in time. Again, we, we can do the money market quarterback, is that that's how you describe it, uh, or some sort of reckoning and saying, look, we should have done X instead of Y. Um, but I suppose that's water under the bridge right now. One has to assume now that we're somewhat uh, much more highly vaccinated, uh, and we've gone through this um, Omicron wave with uh, you know, we've decoupled cases from deaths. We uh, have a relatively low death rate when compared with with infection cases. Uh, so, I will say we've licked COVID, but it's uh, come down to very, very small numbers of deaths. One has to assume the spike in deaths from a lack of care uh, that happened in 2021, if people aren't you know, aren't ready to roll up their sleeves and get back to their doctor and get um, their screening, I would imagine this spike in non-COVID or COVID-related deaths or non-COVID-related deaths is going to continue well after COVID is, is, is long gone. In other words, if you miss cancer today. Uh, you get it tomorrow uh, that that excess mortality is going to appear in next year or the following year's uh, numbers. Is, is that fair? I think that's
1: right. I think that's right. We're going to continue to see these spikes. Um, and, you know, again, not to carry the football analogies, but I don't want to spike the football in this and say I was right. We should have been talking about this, as I said in my paper last year. But public health officials should now say, OK, COVID's declining people need to get back to the doctor and get screened and there should be a a, a just a, a an entire campaign on the part of uh, public health officials to remind people about the traditional diagnostic tests that they should be getting i i you know when i was writing the paper there's this there's, there's an agency a federal agency called the US preventative healthcare task force uh, i think that's the name i forget the acronym but it's it's basically a bunch of voluntary physicians who come together and they suggest diagnostic tests that should be routine. So they look at yeah, sexually transmitted diseases, cancer, every every therapeutic area you could imagine. And they look at the tests and they make a recommendation. People above this age, for example, should get this test or that test. And, you know, I went on their website when I was writing the paper and I'd seen all these studies with the declines in in diagnostic screenings for all of these prominent killing diseases, yet the task force was making no recommendations. Uh, they were just going along with their business. They made a recommendation about chlamydia during 2021 at uh, chlamydia screenings. I, I think they should have mobilized and said, "Hey, we're the group that's recommending screenings. We should. They should have had a campaign." This- and and been ringing the alarm bell that these screenings that we've been recommending for decades are not happening. Um, and, and there just was not there was not any urgency in the public health community about this. And and unfortunately, we're seeing the mortality results of that.
0: Yes, indeed. I would say, um, you know, it's often been a, a criticism levied at the public health community that uh, this terrible pandemic has made a, uh, TV stars out of out of many of them, but uh, what you're saying is, uh, despite their now sort of newfound uh, power and attention and um, uh, voice, uh, that they're not using that voice in the way that we would expect public health officials to use it. In other words, we have to prioritize based on risks and benefits, um, with COVID now somewhat diminished in its risk uh, and additional information somewhat diminished in its benefit. The next, you know, marginal benefit of uh, advising for uh, vaccines seems to be somewhat diminished. Um, we really have a a, a sort of silent um, a killer uh, uh, that is killing at least as many people or more uh, than COVID did at its peak, and and we're more or less ignoring it. I, I would agree with all that, and I'd also
1: add that the lockdowns were a killer for traditional diseases. They did simply were. You know, they kept liquor stores open. They kept grocery stores open. They should have been saying, don't just go to the grocery store, go to the doctor and get your traditional screenings. And nobody was saying that, that I recall. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think there there should be some uh, Monday morning quarterbacking going on to say, hey, wait a minute. If another pandemic comes along, don't lock down the whole public health community. Don't lock down all
0: physicians. Um, There should be attention paid to traditional diseases. Do you see now, again, you, this is something you study all the time. Um, we, you know, let's hope this Omicron uh, means the uh, end, the end of Omicron may be the end of the uh, uh, pandemic, and we're going to have to deal with uh, um, perhaps new variants that uh, uh, rear their ugly head, but we're um, going to live with this thing now. Um, do you see any signs, green shoots of uh, healthcare people? Um, bringing this story to the forefront. Of course, we, we just cited the um, Wall Street Journal articles. Um, do public health officials have to, in a sense, take the blame or can they just simply move on and, and realign and recalibrate their focus going forward?
1: I'm not seeing evidence that they're recalibrating their focus and talking about this. I'm hoping the Wall Street Journal stories and the editorial that the Wall Street Journal wrote will instigate some change on the part of public health officials. Uh, and again, I don't want to engage in crimin- recriminations. The, the COVID pandemic was a difficult challenge, uh, it's something we hadn't seen before. Uh, But public health officials should now just say, "Okay, that was water under the bridge. We probably made a mistake in locking down physician offices and preventing people from getting screenings." But starting today, they should be saying, "Okay, let's go back and let's start doing the kind of things we should have been doing in 20 and 21." I'm hoping that somebody will say that—that an Anthony Fauci or a CDC director or somebody will say, "Okay, Omicron is way down. The pandemic seems to be waning." Everybody needs to go back and and get screened for diseases that are killing people at a greater rate than COVID.
0: Indeed, uh, again, I'll take this. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up our conversation by bringing it back to where we began. Uh, you and I on earlier episodes of this podcast said we were concerned that this might be the case. It might be the case that fear of COVID could be killing more people than actual COVID. Now we have the actuarials at the life insurance company saying, indeed, you're right. Only half of the excess deaths were directly caused by COVID. The other half were by the neglect of all the other diseases that kill us uh, every year. Um, We now have that data. Uh, It's irrefutable. uh, And that should be the marching orders now for the public health community saying, as, as COVID recedes, we have a new crisis that we need to roll up our sleeves and, and shine a spotlight directly on.
1: That's absolutely right. And, and you know the title of the paper that I wrote, again, this was last year, asked the question in the title, is there an impending tsunami in mortality from traditional diseases? And I think the data is coming in that there is a, a, a tsunami that, that's happening. Um, and people are just dying in their 50s and 60s because they hadn't been screened in two years.
0: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, uh, I think it's a very powerful message, very important message. Uh, I don't understand why uh, it isn't um, uh, the headline, uh, but who knows, perhaps this, this, uh, this podcast can help move, move the ball a little bit. Where can um, our listeners learn more about your research? Uh, is it published on the Pioneer site? It is
1: published on the Pioneer Institute site. And again, it's the title of the paper is An Impending Tsunami in Mortality from Traditional Diseases. I think if you just if you if you Googled an impending tsunami in Pioneer Institute, the paper would come up.
0: Indeed. And and this tsunami is going to persist long after uh, COVID. Uh, I think tsunami is a great, great uh, analogy because uh, it leaves in its aftermath a lot of a lot of suffering. Uh, for many years after the, after the wave hit. So, Absolutely. Uh, very- they
1: think of a slow growing cancer, like colon cancer. If you're not screened, you know, the results can show up five or six years later and, and the, the screenings are just not, they weren't, they weren't happening.
0: Yeah, indeed. So, all right. Um, that's our call to action is this. In fact, all our listeners should be calling their own doctors um, and getting those screenings, uh, taking the medicine they maybe weren't doing uh, during the, the past two years uh, and getting back on track, getting healthy, uh, maybe hog on a diet, all those good things and, and, uh, and, and move forward. So thank you for being on the show today, Bill. You're, you're always a wonderful guest. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are several ways to support us. It would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe to Hubwonk on your iTunes podcatcher. If you'd like to make it easier for others to find Hubwonk, it would be great if you offer a five-star rating or a favorable review. We're always grateful if you share Hubwonk with friends. If you have ideas, suggestions, or comments for me about future episode topics, you're welcome to email me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk.